The Beer and Pretzel Podcast and Trash Talk Podcast are part of the Buttwide, though, and Podfix Networks. Check them out to hear more content from other great podcasters. This is the Beer Pretzel Podcast, a podcast devoted to introducing you to new one-shot RPGs. Today, I'm joined by Brad and Becky, and we're playing with Ben, who in our first podcast that will be not GM'd by me, I'm going to be joining Brad and Becky as a player, and we'll be playing Manishima. And Ben is joining us all the way from Japan. Uh, ben, thanks, uh, first of all, for reaching out to us and uh, running this <laughs> game for us. I'm very excited to be a player for once. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> uh, Becky and Brad and Austin, y'all are fabulous, and, like, I'm so glad to be here. Like, I... The, uh, like the uh our distinguished guests at home can't see this but like i have like a, a face that's like brimming over like a fountain so uh <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so happy to be here so uh, ben thank you so much if people have not listened to already a week ago we released a episode um where me and you were talking about manishina in an interview about rpg creation and of course this game uh if people have not listened to that they should check it out already but if you have not uh, listed an episode already you've not heard about ben's game ben can you talk to us a little bit about what are we playing today oh yeah so this is a really fabulous experience that uh we're going to be doing and so manistana is uh why this is why is this night different i can't even say the name the name of my uh game is a game that was created by my cousin gabrielle rabinowitz and i um and it's going to be an uh a game that's filled by by filled with art by a Turkish illustrator called uh, Catherine Dürüm. And it's modeled on the Passover Seder that we celebrate at home in our family because um, Gabrielle and I are cousins. And so you go to her house in New Jersey and like have a really creative dinner. Uh, and our family's are really funky and weird. Our, our, our grandparents uh, were naturists. Like they're, they're very, they're hippies. <laughs> um, and uh, like, it, like really. Um, and so when, for example, my mother was young, she would celebrate the Passover Seder by doing puppet plays. And like uh, my family's hair has is very like kinky. So it's very um, uh, curly. And so we used our aunt uh, Abby's hair as like uh, like the burning bush. Right. <laughs> and so this is this is a game about uh, retelling old stories and creating new meaning in a very creative way and cre connecting to community in a stronger way and you know this is a game for jews non-jews and jewish so like it's for anyone who's has an open heart and wants to uh create their own version of the story of exodus that's found right in 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 the old testament but it can do it, it in any way so manishtana is a game where you eat the ritual foods of Passover seder or you can play more abstract rituals like we're going to do today um, and it's about breathing new life, uh, into a story we may or may not know. Uh, and it's about revolution and the family ties that, that help us overcome any challenges that we can, that we face. Um, so that's what it's about. Uh, it's currently on Kickstarter and we've, we've been, we've, we're successful. Like, I'm so surprised as <laughs> our, our first, uh, uh, kind of foray into crowd crowdfunding if you would call it that uh like 132 people uh including your kind listeners austin thank you so much uh is are participating and making this a really beautiful thing we just hit our uh, goal of having three essayists uh like write for the book so like the game dialect where you create languages this game will have three essays at the end of the book so there's like certain um breaks built into the game because uh, it's a series of scenes where you hit the narrative beats of exodus the um uh and there's certain places where we you know say oh this would be a great time to have a break y'all and if you want here's a few actions you could sing you could eat a meal together right you could read essays <laughs> and just reflect 
on the nature of the story itself a little bit more. Uh, my name is Ben, uh, he, him. I am a uh, student at Kyoto City University of Art. I love games. I love LARPing, uh, which is... I. I have a lot of LARPer friends in Vermont, <laughs> where you are, um, and and by a lot I mean like three. But you know that's a lot for me. Uh, that's a lot for that's, Vermont. I was gonna say that's a lot for Vermont. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's that many LARPers in Vermont. I know. I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah, we gotta find them. I am trying to create games that make the world a better place, and where people can like overcome differences and see the humanity in each other and be create a space where friendship is actually real right mm -hmm. <laughs> uh and like i think through games people can do that uh as, as folks who own a gaming store uh that game brad you you understand i think the way that games can bring people together yeah definitely uh, I, th I think i definitely think like games that like have fighting is great it's about like overcoming challenges and this game it'll have like perhaps if we if we like fighting in it but it can be just like a meditation on what it means to leave a place that you don't know and find a new home, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because we can do anything this story. It could be juice in space, right? Uh, <laughs> it's the structure of it that that creates and uh, anchors the themes of Passover for us, um, which is revolution, family, and uh, finding your way in the world together. Like you said, this is a game that is on Kickstarter right now. In the description of this podcast, there will be a link to that if it's still going by the time um, our listeners listen to this particular episode. And also um, the, the next parts, we'll be dividing up this into a little mini arc of episodes. And um, like you said, this is a game for Jews, uh, the non-Jews, and the Jew-ish. And ourselves uh we are are non-jews so it'll be interesting to play this game and have you uh describe this game to us and we just printed off the um the ash can version which is the free version you have on your itch that is not complete and uh before the kickstarter and we have it here and we're ready to play yeah we have our five ritual components which i'm sure you'll be going into later and i'm very excited <laughs> for us all to unveil especially <laughs> brad becky brad becky did a lot of creative choices for their uh components uh very funny <laughs> yeah. a little bit cursed little choices bit cursed. um but i'm excited for you to hear about them so yeah ben uh take it away uh what are we yeah, going to do next? Thank you so much. I just want to say, you know, my good friend Ray, who uh, is a Filipino, uh, like he is not Jewish and he ran this game and it's it's created to be welcome, right? So it's, it, everything is very well structured and like uh, there's going to be lots of context. And so you don't have to be Jewish to, to run this game or play this game. Uh, it's, it's a story for everyone. So I'll begin at uh, our first ritual. Uh, which is a a, a a scene basically, and I'm I'm so glad that uh, Brad and Becky, you haven't really looked at this book yet, and that's like gives us a really fresh take for uh, the distinguished guests at home. Basically, there's a few different runs that this game can go. Uh, we're gonna be doing like a three-hour version of the game, which uh, only does a, a few select rituals, and then at the end we just kind of uh, narrate what we. Uh, the end and kind of do epilogues based on how we see our characters like living after this kind of cliffhanger we're going to end on. Mm. Uh, but I'm going to start. I'm going to be the ritual guide of the scene and it's a rotating facilitator role. Uh, so every scene there's going to be a different person who's going to help guide the story. It's a, a GM full game. Uh, so the first ritual is Kadesh. Welcome. Starting the ritual and I'm supposed to say Welcome. Thank y'all for coming. We are gathered here to tell anew the tale of the Hebrew exodus from Egypt, share in the fight for freedom, and discover the power of collective action. Um, and then I'm going to lead a discussion on the following topics, the expectations of the game, the tone, how this is played, the kind of run of show, um, and safety tools. And then we're going to remind everyone uh, that uh, while Hebrew words appear throughout play, we can pronounce them however is natural for you. Like, uh, for example, Austin and I pronounce the title of this game differently, and I think that's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's welcome. In the text, the authors, or we omit the O from the name of uh, 
God in line with you know Jewish custom, but this does not change the word's pronunciation. And so expectations. Uh, this game takes liberties with the conventional narrative of Exodus. You may find the story you create or we create together turns in new and unexpected directions. As a group, how much are we comfortable diverging from convention? We're pretty unconventional. That is true. <laughs> if anything, we're unconventional. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, let's go hog wild. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So the tone of the game. Uh, so do we want this to be uh, like light, lighthearted telling or delving the depths of the soul? How miraculous will we make our world? Hmm. I'm, what, I'm, what are you? What are we feeling right now? I'm I'm feeling pretty lighthearted. I'm not sure yeah. that I have the the intestinal fortitude right now for something heavy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, okay, okay. I agree with that. I feel that. Yeah, I'm done. We had a little bit of that. Was it kimchi? Austin tried kimchi for the first time. Today. And yeah, oh, wow. yeah, I definitely want something kind of lighter as uh, my stomach is kind of ugh. It's kind of been messed <laughs> up by this. So I definitely <laughs> I want ki- something more magical and lighthearted. I think that will mm. be more in line with us. I, I don't think Austin eats a lot of fermented foods. So. Austin no. also doesn't eat anything spicier than mayonnaise. It's true. So. What? <laughs> kimchi to him uh, i would say was spicy to you yeah oh yeah it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow yeah water uh, is too spicy for me <laughs> oh, no. but yeah we were just, uh, as as uh becky and brad know like before we got on on the air we were talking about breakfast <laughs> and i had lots of kimchi for breakfast with my rice and not the yeah it's it was really good uh i'm so glad that you're wedding your aspirations austin you you're, you're your field of food, if as if you will. Yeah, I enjoy trying new things. Um, just when they're a little spicy, it's a little bit too much for me. But <laughs> it wasn't that bad, honestly. And um, I think we're gonna have more of it later once we get to the component section. Not not oh. to derail things, but we like to play a game sometimes called "Is It Spicy," where we have two things that look the same, <laughs> and one is spicy and one isn't. And they force me to eat one of them. We don't force you. We ask We ask you if you would like to guess which one is spicy. And you take one willingly and try it. So, Austin, I, I, I kind of don't want to know. But I, how do you feel about this game that they play on you? <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's kind of interesting. But, yeah, it, you know, I just kind of play along with it. But you know, that's. You're a great sport. It's, um, a good it's sport. mostly because I'm a little competitive. So I try to uh, look at these things they give me. And I try to deduce if uh, which one is uh, the one that's not spicy. Because um, mm. I think I'm a great detective. But most times I'm wrong and I end up burning my throat. <laughs> and Oh, no. <laughs> to be fair, though, we eat the one that he doesn't. So if he chooses right, then mm. we have to eat the spicy snack. True. So. That's true, but your tolerances may differ. That, um, that is that is a fair point. Yeah, <laughs> I can so. I can I can totally see the perspective of the the system mastery kind of aesthetic of play that you have, Austin. That's very cool. Mm. You just discussed the tone, how to play. So basically, this is kind of like a play insofar as we go throughout the guidebook, uh, and it's a guidebook really. It's not a rule book. So like if if we make mistakes or we just forget about rules or we just ignore them completely and decide to do our th- own thing, this guide is t- this book is to guide us, not to tell us what to do. Uh, so we can make this game our own, uh, whatever we feel is good about it. Uh, that being said, Gabrielle and I have worked on this for the last three years. So like we even just like one piece of wording, we just kept going back and forth on how to you know say a few words hundreds of times actually um but uh so we have taken a lot of care to to craft this um but uh if you want to make it your own that's like totally fine how to play uh and so we're going to have a rotating gene where each scene uh is going to be guided by someone else and the game is going to help you along the way so whatever happens uh how you feel about play uh is is most important um and we're going to go into safety tools for a little bit. And so we want a lighthearted game. So I imagine a lot of these will not come up at all. Lines is something you don't want to have happen. Yeah, it's it's like not in the story at all. Avails could be like in the game world. It could be in the story. But we're just we're just choosing not to, to role play it, right? Um, and ask is like, oh, it can be something that you can happen. Just ask first, like romance. <laughs> I know, like, uh, you know, 
it's like, do I really want to be in a room like have a romantic roommate with character? Please ask first. Uh, is sure. you know something I'm gonna mark? Hello, hello, hello. Uh, so we're back. Uh, and we did lines and fails. And so here's what will not be in the story at all. Our lines are uh, extreme violence, torture, eye injuries, harm to animals, self-harm, sexual assault, and suicide. And then uh, things that may come up, but we are just not going to focus on or role play, um, is gender bias, gore, harm to children, or dis uh, racial discrimination. And then ask first is romance and sexual interactions. Uh, and so that's going to be our first safety tool. Our second safety tool is the X card uh, because we're in a writer's room, basically. So um, if you have anything that you know you just want to X out from the story, you just take a nice uh, white pen. You can just say X card or say um, cut, or you can say let's not. Um, what's really uh, important to this game um, is a special word called wait, wait, wait. Uh, and this is something that's based that we've created based on how our family speaks at our table, where it's this constructive cacophony of voices that are like interrupting and ask and making suggestions and asking questions. Uh, and so, uh, if you ever say wait, 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 uh, you can just say I have a question I don't understand, or I I have a suggestion for a scene I'd like to backpedal this, or I have an, a cool idea. Uh, and so I want to, everyone to have uh, a, a chance to tr give it a try if you would like to. So could we all say, wait, 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 as loud as we can? Sure. Uh, distinguished guests at home, please forgive me. Ready? <laughs> Three, two, one. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and so you can just say, wait, wait, wait. Um, beautiful. And so uh, we've already done the... Uh, ritual action of the scene, which is opening the character keeper or uh, going through the book and doing lines and veils. And so I'm going to end the ritual and I'm going to close this ritual and pass the role of ritual guide to Austin if you'd like to take it away. Sure. Or you can just pass it back to me if you feel uncomfortable. No, I'm okay and with the, that. The next ritual is uh, McGee, the story of Exodus. We now take turns reading aloud portions of the story of Exodus to establish a common reference for the story we will tell. Many, many years ago, the children of Israel thrived in the land of Egypt. But there came to be a new Egyptian king, a pharaoh, who saw in the Hebrew people a threat. They did not worship him or his gods, so the pharaoh bound the Hebrew people with chains and drove them with a lash. He oppressed them with harsh labor. Even still, Pharaoh feared the strength of the Hebrew people. He decreed that all Hebrew boys be executed lest they one day rise up in arms against him. Many hid their sons to no avail. However, one family did willingly give up their child, not to the Pharaoh's enforcers, but to the River Nile. A woman swaddled her baby brother in a papyrus basket, whispered a small blessing, and offered him to the waters. Downstream, another young woman bathed in the shallows, golden bracelets clinking. She heard a mewling cry from the reeds beside her and waded deeper to investigate. She unwrapped the wriggling bundle and gasped. She had not yet borne a son, and she knew that no matter what her royal father said, this child was hers. Gathering the baby in her arms, she cooed, Moses, a fine name for a prince. Growing up in Pharaoh's palace, Moses was ever grateful for his life of leisure. His mother, the princess, shielded him from Pharaoh's worst outbursts and never failed to remind him of his luck in escaping an early grave. Moses strove to live up to her expectations, but he stumbled through the days just as he stumbled over his words. One day, Moses happened upon a shoal of cruelty that broke through his haze. An Egyptian man was beating a Hebrew child laboring in his field, unyielding until he heard the crack of bone. Enraged, Moses, slay, uh, Moses slew the Egyptian man and fled. In his exile, Moses won the hand of a uh, median woman and started a family, working as a shepherd for her father's flocks. Many years passed until Moses came across a bush in the desert, bursting with buds of fire. As Moses tread near, the flames licked their way along the branches and blossomed into orange and blue. But the bush did not crumble. A voice emerged from the crackle and hiss. Moses, I am the one true God. I have heard the cries of the enslaved. You must return to Egypt. 
not as a prince, but as a child of Israel. Free your people, deliver them to a new land. Moses returned to Egypt and reunited with his siblings. With the help of his brother Aaron, he challenged the Pharaoh. Free our people or face a wrath far greater than your own, they demanded. As proof of the power of the one true God, Aaron's staff transformed into a serpent that snapped and spat venom at the king. But the Pharaoh had such had seen such minor magic tricks before. He, re- he rejected the Hebrew suit. In retaliation, God brought plagues of blood, boils, disease, locust, darkness, to awe the people and lay waste to the false gods. Upon, uh, however, with each plague, the Pharaoh's heart hardened. He heaped further pain upon the Hebrews. Finally, God sent an angel of death over the city. He warned the true believers to mark their doors in lamb's blood, lest they too succumb. In one sigh, the lives of all the firstborn sons in Egypt were snuffed out, save those whose homes uh, had heeded God's word. The next morning, Pharaoh freed the Israelites. I will not have them in my sight, he sobbed. My own boy's soul has been snatched away. Let the Hebrews revel in their freedom for now. So the Hebrew people fled, leaving behind what they could not carry. Soon, however, the Pharaoh sent his armies to overtake the Israelites and and drive them into the sea. But God is good. He gave his people passage across the Red Sea, crashing the waves over their pursuers, and guided them onward to a promised land of milk and honey. Consider the relevance of ritual, the terror of power structures, the search uh, for a home of one's own. These themes will hold true in our story as they have for every telling of the tale. Wherever you are, as Ben is in Japan and we are all together in Vermont, we will now have a toast to the gathering of friends and the opportunity to celebrate. We will end the ritual by, um, I assume, taking a drink from one of our yeah. ritual components. I guess uh, we should... What do we all have to drink today? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Brad, we'll start with you. Sure. I'm drinking a uh, soft drink called Moxie. It, um, have you ever heard of it? No. So it's very popular in New England, um, especially in Maine. Um, I grew up drinking it with both of my grandparents or my grandfathers. Oh, wow. So this is like traditional. Yes, yeah. Um, at one time, it was more popular in the United States than Coca-Cola. But during the Great Depression, uh, Moxie invested all of their money into sugar so they could produce more Moxie. And Coca-Cola invested all of their money into advertising, so they became more of a household name. Mm. And Becky, what Very are you nice. drinking today? So it's funny because I picked my drink before I realized you even lived in Japan. Um, yeah. It's sake. <laughs> Or sake. (laughs) Um, And you can see on our little camera that it's in a panda cup. I found it at our co-op and I just had to have the cup, but I just hadn't gotten around to drinking the sake yet. I also, Uh, um, (laughs) I have a red vine in it on accident because my my red vine straw disintegrated. (laughs) And today I am drinking um, a little harder than you guys are literally uh, Jack Daniels Southern Peach. Um, well, actually, no, it's probably around the same as your sake in terms of alcohol. Um, but it's basically just a fruity drink, but Severn peach flavored in a tall boy can. And uh, it's pretty good. And what are you having, Ben? Well, I did have chamomile tea, but I ran out of it. So like at the at the our brief break, I, I got um, water. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> are you a big tea drinker? I am a big tea drinker. So a toast, everyone. A toast, toast. to the gathering of friends. To gathering of friends, cheers, and we give you a cheer from across the ocean. Yeah, across the pond. Uh, in person, if we uh, if we were all there, we might uh, pour wine for each other, right, to the person on our left, and hmm. it would be like part of the uh, actual physical rituals of the Passover Seder. But for the course, for the sake of this, uh, what is it called, play test, like actual play, uh, we're doing the alternative. Uh, uh, more abstract rituals so would you like to end the scene austin um i would um i close this ritual and pass the role of ritual guide to our friend becky oh for this so we brought our own little things to clean and i assume yeah, we we'll do did this you first to clean? <laughs> so um this was the hardest part because we'd been 
we'd gotten the list of things that we needed and I couldn't find anything to clean. And we <laughs> joked that we were going to bring um, our friends hard drive and we were going to wipe it. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> but- Wait, why did you do that? That's so cruel, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> so and for our audience back home, the friend she's referring to is That's our so co-host mean. Travis, who's not here oh, today no. so we can make fun of him. We always, well, we always joke with you. And like, it's like a lighthearted, everybody, yeah. he's even in on like the he's, joke. Yeah, of- he's, he's in on the joke. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sure he's a he's a good sport like Austin is with his spicy food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all um, torture each other somehow. It's true. But I this I found what people this... do in Vermont. Everyone, it's yeah. true. There's um, nothing else to do otherwise. We we make fun of each other. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, we drink so, some beverages. Um, so what I did was I actually found this really like kind of nasty penny. So I brought a penny dude. and some rubbing alcohol. Since I work in a game store and we have a lot of things, we get a lot of magic cards traded in, and you would not believe how dirty magic cards can end up being um, after they've been touched by many different people of all different ages, um, sometimes while people are eating or drinking. So I have a very dirty magic card, and uh, they have a glossy finish, so you can actually clean them pretty well with just a bit of rubbing alcohol and paper towel. Can I see the card? Oh, I'm so curious cool. what a dirty magic card looks like. And what card is it? Oh, um, yeah. I, it just grabbed a card out of our bulk bin. It's bound in silence. It's a fairly old card. Ooh, I, I, I need to like somehow echo that in our story today. Bound in silence. Bound in silence. Yeah, you get extra points if you can bring that up some point during play. And for me, uh, for my thing to <laughs> clean... Like a little, little, little teacher stars? Like here's yeah, a gold yeah. star. You get a little you. extra star if you can bring that up. Um, I have my... Uh, when I was in college, I didn't have a lot of money, but I wasted a lot of my money on a D&D white Draco Lich. Uh, minifigure actually no i think i convinced someone to just give it to me never mind maybe i didn't buy it <laughs> um but i'm cleaning it because it's been on my shelf and unfortunately my players have not gone to a high enough level where i can actually use it so it's actually been collecting dust which Ooh, is sad because yeah it's a really cool miniature but uh unfortunately i let it go to uh dust and a little cobwebs on it so i am using a covid mask because <laughs> i couldn't find anything else and i'm using that to clean off the dust off this Draculich. Ben, what Very are you cool. cleaning off today? Or um, well, I brought my glasses. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I could actually go brush my teeth. I did brush my teeth after breakfast, but I could do it again. So, uh, but I feel like I feel like it's it's copping out to just clean my glasses. <laughs> it might be a little weak sauce. I apologize. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. I'm cleaning a penny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's I like a shiny penny is like a symbol of good luck, right? This is definitely not shining able, up. I was about to say, are you gonna do that? That penny's nasty looking. I cleaned that, it. I mean, never... wait, do you have do you have alcohol? Yeah. And it's still not coming off. Nope, it's pretty. It's pretty bad. It's very. Corroded. Actually, this dust is not coming off this dragon. Yeah. I was actually gonna have... say, Austin, can you describe what you're doing um, or how you're cleaning it? But you already did. Yeah. No. Just <laughs> very cool. Coven mask. COVID taking mask. off the dust it's yeah, actually COVID not working mask. i think i spilled beer on this at one point because something's very sticky on this did this? you spill beer or did travis spill beer it was probably travis <laughs> um but yeah i'll take that um so becky uh do you oh, want yeah. to end okay. or continue the ritual while we continue um yeah we can we can keep going can keep okay because if you if you want to find a toothbrush and really get dig into that penny i'm not going to take it <laughs> Uh, you know, it's sanitary now because at least it's been cleaned with alcohol. So True. Yeah. I'm happy with my penny cleaning. <laughs> okay, so um, we take turns reading the descriptions from the character playbooks below and consider a character whose path we wish to walk. Miriam, uh, you are the first woman prophet and Moses's older sister. You are a singer of songs and player of music. Your songs inspire others to imagine a better future, but you see what truly lies ahead. God shows you visions and signs of what is to come. Now it falls to you to guide your people forward, even if some aren't listening and others would rather you stay silent. Uh, Moses, uh, husband to to Zipporah, adopted son of Bitya. Uh, You grew up in Pharaoh's court, far away from the agonies that your fellow Hebrews endure, but you finally saw the truth, defying Pharaoh's will by killing a slave master. 
God speaks to you uh, through angels, the environment, and sometimes directly. You, on the other hand, are heavy of tongue and ineloquent. You stumble over the simplest of greetings. I feel a uh, connection to that. <laughs> <laughs> Zipporah, wife to Moses, you are one of seven sisters and the one who holds your family together. Daughter to Jethro, a Median high priest, you grew up in a severe household, but you never felt truly grounded until you first met Moses. Your father threw him in a pit for disobeying Pharaoh, but you cared for him in secret, bringing him food and water. Eventually, Moses was granted your hand in marriage, which pleased you greatly. Though you are not of Hebrew descent, you follow God's commandments with zeal, destroying false idols and performing a ritual circumcision of your son. You defend what you love with a fierce passion. Aaron is the brother to Miram and Moses. You are three years older than your brother Moses in a lifetime apart. Raised as a slave in Egypt, you rise every day to hard labor and cruel punishment, yet you resist. You are unafraid to speak up to anyone, regardless of class or station, if it means lifting the voices of others. Everyone knows who you are. You are a holy man with a rod that God has imbued with great gifts. You speak truth to power, and you never know when you've gone too far. Bitya? the adoptive mother of Moses and daughter of Pharaoh. You are the princess of Egypt. The height of your status is matched only by the breadth of your kindness. You are intimate with the waters of Egypt. You live amongst threats that lurk beneath the surface all around you. While you owe your lifestyle to your royal pedigree, you know that family is not based in blood but is chosen and sometimes found. The ties you have woven will be tested as you are pulled between your adopted child and the living God, the Pharaoh, the one who has given you everything you know. And then uh, Pharaoh, the father of Bithya, uh, you are the lord and ruler of the land of Egypt, newly ascended to the throne. Your, thother, uh, your father was revered as kind and just, but this is a new age. You know that the Hebrews are a threat to be ground down and a resource to be exploited. You will spare no cruelty to bend them to your will. The only thing uh, you can't break is their foolish faith. You worship many gods, and each have their uses. Your daughter, bless, uh, bless her soft and weak heart, has a tendency to take in orphans, to raise as her own. You let her, uh, for they may prove the most useful of all. Now we share which characters we are particularly drawn to and f then fill out our character playbooks. When everyone is done, we will introduce our characters and ask questions of each other to learn more. If there's any character you, like, you feel like you're drawn to, like I feel like <laughs> Brad may have chosen his character already. Like, uh, But, you know, we can set this, you know, in Egypt, but also it could be anywhere. Like, if we want to set this at a, at a, uh, like, a game shop, that would be super cool. Like, <laughs> I have not played in that kind of setting before, and we'll just interpret w whatever we want. Like, a in a possible, um, you know, this is... You're getting you're getting the scoop, but uh, in a possible uh, stretch goal, we might have back like uh, backdrops, uh, similar to how uh, one of the games we're inspired by dialect has different kind of settings for uh, the flow of play. Like we're going to have like like my mom and I do at Hanukkah, where we can tell the story in different locations or points of history, like the same kind of patterns happening. Like it could be exited from Egypt, but, you know, in, in World War II, right? Or it could be exodus from Egypt, but in an Amazon uh, fulfillment center. Like, whatever you want to do, uh, I think this is a good kind of place to choose and talk about that. Or we can just do ancient Egypt. Um, Perfect. So that we received from uh, the Old Testament. What we're going to do now for our audience is I'll be pausing the recording and we're going to be discussing our game plan about where we want our game to be set and what characters we plan. But we'll be back in two seconds where we'll be unveiling our characters. And we are back. We have our characters. We picked our setting and I'm very excited for us to go into that. Um, I guess I will first start uh, with my character and then we'll go around. Actually, Let's start with Brad. Brad, you were the one that kind of came up with this setting idea, or at least what started the snowball effect that led <laughs> into our pick. Do you want to go into where we're going to be playing today? Sure. So <laughs> I, I threw out what if we played in a fantasy setting, um, 
and Becky suggested Lord of the Rings. So I'll be playing the Pharaoh, who is, of course, Sauron the White Wizard. <laughs> I think he's a very misunderstood character. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> and I am going to be playing as the Moses character, which is going to be kind of like a Bilbo Baggins type character. He's actually... Um, he's a hobbit and, uh, he's not Bilbo Baggins. He's Moses the Hobbit. Um, we'll <laughs> learn more about him later, but he likes to just be in a quiet place. He slouches when he is spoken to and he describes himself as a worn sandal as oh he, uh, unlike some other hobbits, he does like to travel, although he did like to travel alone until... He met his lovely wife. And with that, let's segue to Ben. Hi, I'm Zipporah. Uh, she, her. Uh, but, you know, some people just refer to me as mom. You know, you can say that too. Uh, my home, you know, our home, Moses, uh, mm. it's like an ge- archaeology site. Because, you know, you invited me to the Shire, right? Um, and it's it, we're living in this hobbit hole. Uh, but I... You have to understand, I am not a hobbit. I am about two times their height. I'm twice my husband's size. I mean, I'm like an, uh, I'm a very old elf. Um, and so I've been digging deeper in this hobbit hole so that it can accommodate my height. Uh, so you'll see piles of like, of, uh, of like really nice smelling soil. Um, and I've been like uncovering a catacomb but beneath our house. I'm like, what is under this shire? I don't know. But that's a mystery for another time. Uh, and uh, you have the smell of so- of soft earth and moss. And um, I've been setting up a brewery inside using uh, techniques that are from my people. Um, and <clears throat> the person uh, who is a bad influence on my family is Bitya. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bitya, would you like to explain why? But <laughs> So I'm playing Bitya. Um, she, her, and I am Moses's mother, but I'm also Saruman the Pharaoh's adopted hobbit daughter. <laughs> so, um, where my personality might be kind of warm and fuzzy, I also know of some of the not so nice things that my dad, the Pharaoh, is up to with oh, his no, little. Oh no, you're complicit. I'm complicit oh. in the Urukais. <laughs> Um, movement. You know, we, we, we we sometimes go to your house, Bitya, and I'm like, is this a house? <laughs> like, <laughs> There's what like... are these moans I hear from downstairs? Those are not rats. I can't believe it. I get um... no. She, Bitya's totally like, no, they're just dad's rats. <laughs> Here, have some more cookies. <laughs> After rats, show them to me and see how they, show them how cute they are. Um, and. And so uh, I have a question. Uh, my final question or two questions is, what do you keep from your childhood home and why is it dangerous? And I uh, come from a corrupted and dying elven kingdom. Uh, and the thing that I have is an oozing beating heart that still th- like thrums and thumps. Um, and it, it draws unwanted attention because dark creatures want to devour it. Um, and I describe myself as a burnt offering. Because I escaped that place uh, uh, from a situation of like brimstone and fire, um, and now I live in the Hobbit hole. I'm very happy to be in my peaceful life where nothing bad is happening, right? Nothing bad uh, at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's uh, introduction to our characters. I th- I think I missed a little bit about. Um, I didn't quite answer my questions. If that's okay. Oh. Yeah, please. And Becky, I, I uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, Bitya as well. Okie dokie. Go first. Sure. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm the pharaoh. And of course, as Saruman, my throne is Orthanc Tower, which is the black impenetrable tower of some ancient stone. Um, oh, fabulous. And um, what fear do I hide behind my cruelty? Uh Sauron is kind of stuck between two supreme powers. There's the the supreme power of goodness, and then, of course, there's the supreme power of evil, Sauron. He was given power by uh, the side of goodness, but he's trying to take the power of evil. He doesn't want to be kind of 
destroyed in the middle somewhere. And then um, his, how he controls his image, he has armies of loyal minions that uh, spread his word, even if it's uh, not always honest or truthful. To describe uh, Bitya a little more, um, one of my questions was, like, describe your bathhouse. And I think it's, like, a steaming hot springs that, like, is in the Orthanc Palace. Like, it's kind of, you know, my dad was like, oh, yeah, this can be your your side of the room, your hall. <laughs> so it's the steaming hot springs, but I've definitely turned it into something a little cozier, added some nice drapes, you know, put in a nice big comfy couch, like... It's a nice, cozy little corner of the doom and gloom otherwise presiding in Orthanc Castle or Orthanc Tower. Um, I did adopt a Hebrew child, Moses, uh, kind of in um, to help me cope with my upbringing because, you know, I'm a hobbit and naturally kind of peppy and happy and cheerful but I've been kind of brought up around, you know, this very serious, dark power struggle in my home. And I thought adopting a child and, you know, giving him a life <laughs> of, you know, we do have certain luxuries and um, uh, my dad can afford us, you know, better, better things in our life. But I thought mm. by um, bringing up a child, I would kind of be able to give him the warmth and comfort that even though my, my dad provided us with the, you know, creature comforts, he didn't really, he wasn't there emotionally. And so yeah, I could, I, I like, I, I can imagine like if, if you'd allow uh, like the actual creature comforts, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like we could just call up some orcs to bring us some goodies. Ooh, fabulous. <laughs> Um, but I was, I thought, you know, by bringing up a child, maybe that would help me with some of my emotional coping and like, I'd be able to, you know, really dote on this child and mm. give them a, give them love and affection in the way that my dad couldn't. And, um, I definitely express my, uh, affection through baking for people. Oh. Um, so, you know, I make yeah, them in, like, breads this and dark, cakes. Large ovens you know, in the base of the tower where the magma is flowing, it's like yes. you're baking ovens, like a uh, breads and stuff. I've or... got like a cute little bread oven set up um, near the near the magma. <laughs> um, and then the orcs will bring bring in like huge sacks of flour for me. And they actually help me grind them. Um, they oh, grind so the great. wheat down into the flour. That's nice of them. Yeah. Huh. In this setting, are the orcs like actual people? Like, do they have personalities and things? Like, um, Kind of. I, I think... If you, I don't know, I, I almost feel like orcs are supposed to, but they're not really shown that way from the main character's perspectives. I can, I think we can humanize them if we will. Yeah. <laughs> in, in this setting, especially if we're doing a lighter setting. Um, uh, and what's really interesting to me is like, uh, Tolkien imbues his mythos with a lot of uh, reference to his own like Christian upbringing. Like, it's very Christian, and I love that there's just, like, these Jewish hobbits. Like, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> and they're just, like, living their lives. Uh, and I think that's, it's super awesome. Um, it, it, it's also a lot about, um, uh, like, agra agrarian societies meeting industrial societies. I think that's everyone now. Uh, yeah. Great job, guys. I am very happy with not only my character, but you guys came up with very creative options for characters. And I'm going to be excited, as we all are, to be diving more into this interesting Lord of the Rings setting we've established for this game. So, Ben, now what? Yeah, so the next page is um, after... Uh, well, you're supposed to... Uh, who's the ritual guide, Becky? Oh, that's me, yeah. So I closed this ritual and passed the role of ritual guide to Brad. Okay. Ooh. So we're doing this one. One second. And then uh, Austin and I have been sharing that. <laughs> I'm going to pull my phone back up. Uh, what page are we on? 65. So that is uh, Shul Chen Oric. Shul Chen Oric. A moment of respite. Okay. And usually we would. this would be a narrative break um, where we could take some actions. Uh, like take time away, everyone eats a meal, drink water. Uh, people may sing if they like, we're listening to music. We're going to have essays in the book so that you can like read 
if you'd like, and reflect on connections to the present day. Uh, but we just took a break, I think. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. Although, Brad, you didn't really take a break. No, um, I was working on my character, so I will take a short break if that's okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Everyone, uh, we're going to take a break. So uh, let's take a break. Brad, as the ritual um, person, do you want to announce the end of the break? Um, sure. So now where were we? I'm a little disappointed that Austin didn't sing, but, you know, I'll live. That's true. <laughs> Austin, you feel free to sing whenever you want. Honestly. I would have if I was playing that character who's all about music. A Miriam. To get into character. Yeah, Miriam. But I am Moses, so it would not Our be in line with my character. <laughs> you can do rhythm, you know. He might not speak, but he can clap his hands. Oh, that's uh, true. I got yeah. that. I can clap my hands. He's just kind of <laughs> like the person behind the bar who everyone's singing and dancing, but he's just he's just laying down a beat for everyone because he's <laughs> too shy to join in. I like that. So um, now I think, does Brad now pass off the next ritual to you, Ben? Or does he uh, keep sure. going? Uh, or you could just con- keep continuing, Brad. Um. Okay. So the uh, ritual, uh, car paused, fresh vegetables. Yeah. It's oh. the prologue. Cool. Okay. Starting the ritual. So in the cracks of an old ruin, new life begins to sprout. We can appreciate both what is past and what is yet to come. And uh, since we're playing the alternate version, uh, we'll show the other players something old that has been yours for a long time. Describe how it has a uh, new use or meaning in your life. Um, okay, so I have this. Uh, it's a weird, like, acrylic diamond that's very large. Uh, you can hold this closer to the camera so Ben can see it. It, uh, it has a duck inside it. There's like, a duck. Can you hold it up a little bit? Oh, there it is. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And um, it was my, or it was my father's and I, I, he always had it on his nightstand. And yeah. when I was a little kid, I would always like take it and play with it. And so when I was like five or six, he just let me have it. And I've always kept it with me anytime. Like I've moved to a, a new dorm room or apartment. And now I have it in my office at the book garden on, uh, on my desk. That's nice. So my old thing, I can't even really, I like don't even remember it's been that long, but it's this toy that my brother and I used to share and it's, it's a shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it's not like a classic shredder. It's kind of like a weird shredder. And what's weird about it? Um, like you can show him because he's like not quite the same costume. Mm. it's like a samurai style shredder (laughs) and i have always had this thing and um my brother and i used to play with them and our teenage mutant ninja turtle figures and it's just like when i moved away to to vermont um when i was 18 i took it with me um so i could have it in my dorm room and just kind of like have something from home that reminded me of my brother because like you know like having a brother is fighting all the time but you still love them and so it just reminded me of like the fun stuff that I would do with my brother and like I don't know I've always been really fond of it and you know at 34 I still have my weird samurai shredder so (laughs) that's who he is and for me I'm in my apartment and most of my old stuff is at my old room at my parents so I don't have a lot old stuff in my apartment but mm-hmm. going from my nightstand i found what was um like uh at this point it would have been at least 15 years ago uh apparently i started to get into um drawing and writing comics uh which Ooh. i've never been a good drawer at all even now actually weirdly enough these drawings are a little bit better than i could draw now although they're still horrible Um, but it's just kind of fun to find these, uh, comics. I have this, uh, character superhero apparently called Owl Boy. He's got the Owl Mobile, very creative. I'm a big fan of this one. Yeah. His car is very cursed looking as a (laughs) giant owl beak on the front, which probably not very handy for driving. Um, (laughs) I have a whole sheet of his different villains, which are, uh, 
Phantom Life Giver, which I don't like the name Life Giver. I think he's supposed to be like <laughs> a necromancer, but Life Giver kind of just reminds me of some guy who just, I don't know, knocked up his girlfriend a little too early. Oh, and um, that's the villain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Flame. This, this cad who's going around yeah. town. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a different villain who I think his power is like using like goo and stuff, but his name is Dr. Sticky, which is a, a also a very kind of little perverted name. Obviously, I was much younger. I, you know, that's not what my intention was. But uh, yeah, yeah. But now, now the meaning has changed. The um, meaning has changed. I. I don't know what cryptid. this guy is. Yeah, he looks like a cryptid. Um, I have a guy called Dr. Disease. I spelt disease wrong. Uh, he looks like he's throwing, like, smallpox at someone. So that's nice. He's... These are really intense villains. I like, know. Green I guy. The, I love I love the, the spread. Like, there's a villain who's very, like, low-powered. He's just, like, you know, a player on Tinder. And yeah. then there's this guy who's spreading smallpox around and just actively... <laughs> Ending the lives of millions. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Doctor Disease brought COVID. No, we're not gonna go there. Uh, ben, talk to us about your ritual component. Ooh. So the thing that has been my life for a long time that has it's changed its meaning. It's like um, I have this pack of I I got be, um, you know what four years ago before I, I left home. I was like, I haven't seen my, my parents in a long while. But, you know, one of the things that my, my mom gave me was like, oh, Ben, you're going to need this, was deodorant. Um, and so I've, ha I've had this, like, these multiple stacks of, like, bars of deodorant that I go to sl slowly because I don't really need that much. But it's, like, um, it's things that it's, – it's Old Spice, and you can't find that in stores around here. Hmm. Um, and whenever I smell it, I'm like, oh, the Old Spice of my mother. Oh. You know, oh, this is, like, the old country. <laughs> um, so that's – that's the the new meaning it has in my life. Um, that's funny. It's really good. Oh, that's nice. You still have that. I wow. have a little bit of my mom underneath my armpits. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's. Brad, uh, start the next step for the ritual guide. Oh, yep. As um, <clears throat> I will now guide several short scenes, flashbacks set some time before God calls us to act. They might depict a moment that characters first met, or a moment of intimacy or conflict. Each character will appear at least once. If you are not in a scene, you are invited to ask questions and make suggestions. So do we choose, or do we do these three scenes in order, or...? I think a flashback, a Hebrew, in a pharaoh's hall, I think that would be interesting to play. Oh yeah, that would be super cool. And I think a cruel decree is handed down to the Hebrew people. So, or in the, you know cultures clash within a family, so it might be like you know family. You've invited the family over to the tower, uh, Saruman's tower, and there ooh, could be yeah. some conflict there. Mm -hmm. What inspires y'all? I kind of that's what I was I thinking. I like that one. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking when I saw that, I was like, that would be cool if Saruman invited some of us over to his tower, and then things will happen. So I think we should go with that. Okay, so. Um... How do we... So do I go on to setting up the scene now? Yeah. Okay. So in this scene, so I'm, I'll am i be guiding a discussion. And um, I think that uh, probably all of us are in the scene since uh, the cultures are clashing. Um, yeah. My daughter has invited her son home and he's brought his his wife for the first time to meet the family. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um. And for the next section, it says what ritual objects are on display and how do they let you know you are not welcome here? I think it might be interesting mm. if there's some kind of anti-elf thing, either maybe if you want to go dark, like, <laughs> the bones of an elf is on display in your tower or something oh, else. Oh yeah. Or it's like what what if what if the like the the, the Sarmon's like little throne his pet, his pedestal is just like literally just the bones of elves. Ooh. Um and yeah. aren't uh the orakai or the the orcs like originally like kind of like mutated elves in general? Like elves that were brought deep underground and um 
experienced, you know, great evil and went on. So they kind of like over the eons. Oh, yeah, and... they're the elves who went to public school, you know? <laughs> yeah, so like probably, <laughs> probably just the being like at the house and like surrounded by um, the the Urukai is probably kind of an affront for an elf. Hmm. No, I like that. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. And then elf bones. Um, yeah, so this is, this. Is, I, I just want to make sure, because we you want a, a lighter tone. This might be going into some serious territory, and my character is going to take this very seriously. Okay. So, uh, of course. If, if y'all if feel good about that. Oh, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. Okay. If, you, if you have any suggestions on how to lighten it or changes, I, I think, or if you're fine with it. I think it. there's, there's going to be some dark comedy okay. <laughs> coming out anyways. So. So, I, I think... feel like um, Bitya would try to throw her little elf, her little hobbit cloak over the throne, but it's <laughs> obviously a hobbit cloak, so it's not big enough. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to bring you in. I'm hoping to introduce you to everyone, and I'm leading you through, and I am very oblivious to the fact that there is the occasional, like, elf bone on the ground, <laughs> or also, eventually, once we get to this elf Those bone throne. Bones, right? Yeah, they're chicken bones, oh. yeah. Um, yeah. They look close enough to orc bones to me, and uh, you probably noticed this, and I assume this greatly insults you, but for me, and maybe you get mad at me over it, that I don't, I'm not... I don't know. I'm not overreacting yeah, to it. I think that Zipporah, like, you know, through this whole walk, I'm taking in all of this, like, the surrounding, and it feels like I'm walking into, the, like, the mouth of a well, right? Like, I'm mm. a, I'm aware that something is dark and wet and not entirely, you know, above above uh, the surface. <laughs> and, and, like, I'm looking at these bones, and I'm looking at my husband... Um, kind of ignore, even if they were orc bones, like his casual disregard for the end of life and these <laughs> this, this detritus of of corpses around. And I'm just like, I have my lips sealed. And I'm like, who is, this is my husband's mother? Like, <laughs> I, I, like I, did we just get married before this? Like, or are we about to get married, uh, uh, Moses? Mm. I think we've been married, but we didn't tell anyone about it till oh, now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was when you're on your travels, it was just, you know, oops. Um Exactly, yeah. Got married. Yep. Uh And so. I'm going to bring you in and I see my mother up ahead. I will scamper over and give her a hug and then I'm going to bring you Becky or Zephoria is your name? No, I'm Bitya, and Bitya. Uh, your wife is Zephora. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. let's not mix name those names Moses, up. Yeah. Please. Oh no, I'm screwing not everything up. Mixing me up with your mother. <laughs> no. <laughs> you said you do identify as mom, though. So maybe that. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, I could say very. Never mind. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> I was gonna say I have two mommies in my life. <laughs> oh, no. But I'm not gonna say that. That's the husband I've chosen. <laughs> This is my son. This is my son. <laughs> mother, mother, I'm finally home. I would love for you to meet, uh, and I should have said my girlfriend or maybe fiance, but I let slip that we are actually married. I introduce you to my wife, Hello, Zephoria. I'm Zephora. <gasps> you got married? <laughs> so I told you it was a surprise. Well, it's great. I'm happy you're happy. Let's let's go see your grandfather. And of course, you know, we're here to get a blessing Aww. from um, your uh, Moses. Uh, um, Ms. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Bitya. How should I refer? Ah, uh, Bitya. Oh, first name basis. Oh, already. Um, <laughs> we're there already. Uh, <laughs> It's very nice to meet you, and this is very interesting um, residence that you have. Um, I, I I seem to have something stuck in the heel of my soul, and like I, I pluck I pluck out like a tooth that is is just in there, and I said, "Is this yours?" Oh no, that's Dad's, and I just grab it and throw it behind me, and I'm like, don't mind him; he's a little messy. <laughs> okay, and so I I think we fast forward to like entering Saruman's. Or uh, what? Uh, you know, Pharaoh's digs. What does it look like? Um. So I'm sitting on the throne. I have uh, 
worm tongue next to me, my advisor, <laughs> and they're the uh, the Urukai are the greeters. They open the door so you can enter, and they're just kind of snarling at you as you come in. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> I'm going to lead you, uh, Sephoria, all the way up to the throne. And as we get closer and closer there, I start to realize, you know, maybe this place isn't the best place to bring my newlywed wife. Uh, but at this point, it's too late to turn you around. What are you talking about? This, I mean, I'm the white wizard. This is a friendly, everyone's welcome here. We are so honored to be in your presence. Uh, the wizard Pharaoh, um, your white robes show the purity of your soul. Oh, and I'm thank like, you. I'm, I'm looking at these like lumps, like there's like a, there's like cloth thrown over your throne that you're, uh, that someone threw over earlier. And I see these like lumps, like that you know where uh, like these round globes I think are are lying mm. underneath, and I uh, and I and I bow before you. And I just kind of.